Welcome to the Dunwoody Community Church Podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to listen in to one of our Sunday services, and we hope that you will be blessed by today's message. For more information about Dunwoody Community Church, please visit us at dunwoodychurch.org. That's dunwoodychurch.org. Welcome to the first Sunday in Advent. Advent's the four Sundays before Christmas, and it's a time when we prepare ourselves for Christmas because I'm sure, as you know, wow, the holidays come in a hurry. So uh, we've just finished up 1 Corinthians, which makes it convenient, but even if we don't, it's our tradition, we'll step out of whatever we're doing for the four Sundays before Christmas, and we have the Advent wreath. Now, there's a bunch of different... um, symbols that go along with the wreath, what the candles stand for. There's faith, hope, and love. There's people like Mary and Joseph and the the wise men and all that. Uh, I'm going to call today's candle hope because it fits in with what I'm going to talk about, but I, I reserve the right to change that at any time. And very exciting, we get to use matches today. They have not let me use matches since the unfortunate uh, head flew off the top as I struck it, and I think you could still see the mark over there on the carpet. So we're going to aim away from the carpet this time as we do it, and we're going to light the hope candle. And it's auspicious that Tim would tell you a story about a rat. Um, that part's not auspicious, because I want to tell you a story as well. It's kind of a Christmas story, but not really. Um, It is in the Bible, and it takes place in Bethlehem, and it's also about the birth, uh, the unusual birth of a boy. Um, But it takes place many, many, many years before Mary and Joseph. It takes place back in the time when the judges ruled Israel. At one point, there was a famine in the land of Israel. And so a man who lived in the town of Bethlehem took his wife and his two children, and he moved out and went to live for a while in the neighboring country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and his children's name were Malon and Kilion. And we're going to follow Naomi this week through the story as kind of our lens as we move through the story in the scriptures. And so they all move to Moab. They were from originally Bethlehem. They're from the tribe of Judah. They're from the clan of Ephrathah, and they live in Moab for a number of years. And unfortunately... After they've been there for a little while, Elimelech, the father, dies. And so Naomi now is left a widow. It's just her and her two sons. But her sons go and they marry girls from Moab. One girl's name is Orpah and one girl's name is Ruth. And then that family continues to live there together in Moab. And after they'd lived there for about 10 years, both Naomi's sons died. And so now she's both a widow with no husband and she has no sons. But at the same time, she heard that the famine was long over back in Israel, that God had been gracious, that he'd brought food. And she decided she probably should move back home. So she and her daughters-in-law, they they gathered everything together and they started on the road that would lead them from Moab back to Israel. But they hadn't gotten very far when she stopped and turned to her daughters-in-law and said, girls, you, you should go home. You should go back to your parents' home. You should go back to your people and your gods. And then she kissed them each goodbye. But they cried, and they clung to her, and they said, no, 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 we'll go with you, we'll go with your, we'll be with your people in your land. And Naomi said to them, why? Why would you come back with 
me. Am I going to have any more sons that would become your husband someday? Girls, I'm too old to get remarried. I'm too old to have any more children. Even if I thought there was the tiniest shred of hope. Even if I was married. Even if I gave birth tonight to boys. Are you really going to wait? Seriously. Are you going to stay unmarried for all those years until they become old enough to be your husbands? Go home, girls. My life is full of bitterness because God himself has turned against me. You don't need to share that. And so Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. They all cried again. And then she started down the road back home. But Ruth didn't leave. And Naomi looked at Ruth and was like, look, your, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. You should go back to them too. And Ruth looked at her mother-in-law and she said, no, no, stop trying to get me to leave you. Stop trying to get me to go somewhere. The only place I'm going is where you are going. And the only time I'm going to stop is when you stop. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, that's where I will die and I will be buried there. And may the Lord himself deal with me if even death separates you from me. Naomi saw that her daughter-in-law was not going to be dissuaded. So the two of them started on the road back to Israel. And eventually they did get safely back to the town of Bethlehem. And as you can imagine, after being away 10 years, this caused quite a stir. You had all these women in the town who were talking to each other like, is that Naomi? Is Naomi back? But when Naomi heard them, she said to them, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. See, in her language, Naomi means pleasant and Mara means bitter. Said, so don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter because the Almighty has made my life bitter. When I left here, I was full and the Lord God has brought me back empty. He has oppressed me and he has brought misfortune on me. Who would look at my life and call me pleasant? So Ruth and Naomi arrived back in Bethlehem in late March, just as the barley harvest was beginning. So they moved back in to her old house, but you gotta eat. And so one morning, Ruth looks at her mother-in-law and says, Mom, I need to go out and glean in a field where someone will take pity on us. See, the law at that time was, when you harvested your fields, you could only make one pass you go through them one time. Anything you missed or even anything you dropped. Because, you know, the guys are, they're cutting and then someone's walking behind them and you're putting in a basket. Anything you miss that hits the ground, you can't pick up. That's the law. You make one pass. If you're doing grapes and you drop some, they stay on the ground. If you move on and you miss a cluster, you leave it. The idea was that the poor, people who didn't have land, who couldn't support themselves, they could come in behind you and pick up and harvest what you didn't get on that first pass. And that's what Ruth says, I need to go do that. Like, we need to eat. Let me go glean somewhere. I will look for someone who's harvesting their food and I'll, I'll see if they'll let me glean. Now, this is in the time of the judges. If you've read the book of Judges, you know what a risky proposition this is. Even the good guys in the book of Judges are bad. But what's Naomi gonna do? Naomi, 
And so she says, okay, my daughter, go, go ahead. And so her daughter-in-law leaves. And she doesn't come back. And she doesn't come back. And she doesn't come back. All day she's gone. And you can imagine Naomi probably having some apprehension about this. She's gone all day. But then finally, as the sun is going down, she shows back up. And she looks like Santa Claus. She's got this huge sack on her back. She slings it down, opens it up, and it's full of grain. I mean, it's full of grain. We're talking like 25, 30 pounds of threshed grain. Not even the stalks, just the actual kernels of grain. And then she takes this other bundle she's got tied around her waist and opens it up, and it's her lunch. Like, she's like, here, we'll eat this for dinner. And Naomi looks at her daughter-in-law and goes, where did you glean today? Who helped you? Like, blessed be whoever helped you. Because there's no way you're going to get 25 pounds of grain if you're just out there trying to randomly pick stuff up. And Ruth told her mother-in-law, I gleaned in the field of a man named Boaz. Now, Naomi knew Boaz. He was a relative of her husband's. And so she told her daughter-in-law, oh, I know, I know who that man is. He is a man who shows kindness to the living and to the dead. And Ruth said, well, that's good because he said that I can stay with him the entire time. He said, I can glean in his fields through the entire harvest. And Naomi thought, that's really good. And told her, that's really good, you know. Who knows what might happen to you in another field? And so Ruth did. She spent the entire harvest just following Boaz's harvesters around. Wherever they went, that's where she went. And she followed along behind him. And she gleaned and she brought home this enormous amount of grain every night. Now, it doesn't take 25 pounds of grain to feed two women. So they are selling most of this grain. They are, they are making a ton of money in this time. She did it all through the barley harvest. She followed them all through the wheat harvest. So now we're in early August. She's been gleaning for four, four and a half months, just bringing home all of this grain. So they're actually doing pretty well at this point, but the harvests are over. Like at the, you, you gotta go from now until next March when they start harvesting again. And so Naomi says to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, I got to find a more permanent solution for you. I need to find a home. You need a husband. You need a place where you'll be taken care of. The man whose workers you've been working with, Boaz, he is actually a close relative of our family. He's what we call a guardian. He's one of the men who is supposed to be watching out for our family. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get cleaned up, Put on your best clothes, your best perfume, and I want you to go down to his threshing floor because tonight they're going to celebrate the last day of the harvest. Now, don't let them know you're down there, right? Just go, go when it's dark, stay off to the side. There's going to be a lot of eating and a lot of drinking, and I'm willing to bet when the party's over, Boaz will probably sleep there on the threshing floor. Just wait. Watch where he goes to sleep. And after he's asleep, go over and I just want you to take the blanket down at his feet and just uncover his feet. And then wait, he will tell you what to do. And Ruth said, of course, I'll do whatever you say. And so she got cleaned up. She put on her best clothes, her perfume. And she went off that evening and she didn't come back. 
and she didn't come back. And she didn't come back, which could be really good or it could be really bad. And so Naomi waited and she waited and she waited. And after dawn, Ruth showed back up. And again, she's doing the Santa Claus thing. She got this giant sack on her back and she puts the sack out and she opens it up and it's this, this huge measures of threshed wheat. And of course, Naomi is like, what happened? And so Ruth told her, said, I did, I did just what you said. And then I just lay down to wait. Maybe I dozed off, but, but at some point he woke up, looked like smack at me with wide eyes and said, who are you? And so I told him, I told him just what you said to say. I'm Ruth, your servant. Please spread the corner of your garment over me because you are a guardian for our family. What did he say? Naomi wanted to know. So Ruth told her. He said, thank you. He said, thank you, my daughter. This, you continue to be so kind. Everyone in this town knows what an amazing woman you are. You could marry anyone you wanted, young or old, rich or poor. Thank you. I'm honored. I'm not actually the guardian for your family. There is another man who is a closer relative to your father-in-law, and he is actually the guardian. He is the one to look out for you. So get some rest, stay here for the evening. Tomorrow morning, I will go talk to him. If he is willing to redeem your land, to take care of you and your mother-in-law, then, then amen, great, you will be taken care of. But if he's not, I promise you, I promise you, he said, I will do everything you have asked. And Naomi said, well, Boaz is the kind of man that keeps his promises. If he said he'll do it this morning, he'll do it this morning. And so they waited and they waited and they waited. It wasn't until much later that they heard the rest of the story. While they were talking, Boaz went up to the town and he went to the gate, which is where kind of business gets conducted. And when this other guy, this redeemer, this, this guardian came along, he grabbed him. He said, oh, we need to talk. Come on over here. And then he went and got, and we, he went and got witnesses because this was going to be an actual financial transaction. And he says to the guy, the guardian, hey, you need to know Naomi the wife of our, our kinsman, Elimelech, she wants to sell all of his land. You're the guardian, you're first in line, right? So please, like, let us know. I've got the witnesses. Let us know if you want to redeem this land. Because if you don't, then I'm next in line, and I definitely do. And the guy's like, oh yeah, absolutely. Of course I, of course I want to buy the land. I'm going to take it. See, and then anybody remember the old show Columbo? Remember what Columbo used to do? Boaz pulled his best Columbo. He's like, okay, good, good, that's great. One more thing. When you buy the land, of course, we're gonna do it according to the law. You're going to redeem it. You're going to take Elimelech's daughter-in-law, Ruth, as a wife so that her children inherit the land when you die, not your other children. Well, and at that point, the guy's like, whoa, wait, 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 I, 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 can't, I can't mingle my estates like that. I mean, that, I, I, that doesn't, no. If you want to redeem it, go ahead, you redeem it. And so Boaz did. Later that day, Boaz showed up at Naomi and Ruth's house and he told them all that had happened. And then he and Ruth were married. 
and the Lord enabled her to conceive. Now, we don't know this for a fact. This part isn't actually in the Bible. It's other sources. But rumor has it she got pregnant on the honeymoon. So the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. And when she did, when she had that son, those women that that Naomi had said to them, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. I went away full. The Almighty brought me back empty. My life is emptiness and bitterness. Those women said to Naomi, look, look what the Lord has done for you. He has provided you with a guardian going forward. Boaz isn't going to live forever, but now you have a grandson who will take care of you. Because look at his mom, Ruth. She's been taking care of you this whole time. And Naomi often kept the boy as he was growing up. And so another thing that the women of the town used to say is, look, Naomi did have another son. The boy's name was Obed. He's the father of Jesse, who's the father of David. And in case you're wondering, yeah, that David. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Ruth. We're going to talk about Naomi and hope for a little while. When this story starts in Ruth chapter 1, we don't know Naomi's relationship with God, but it doesn't seem like she has much of one. Um, Leaving Israel and moving to another country, that's not forbidden in the law, but it's frowned upon. Nothing good ever happens when you leave Israel and go somewhere else. Like, you you see that throughout the stories. Like, these guys, all they would have had is what we call the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the only scripture they would have. But there's plenty of stories in there about what happens when people leave the land God sent them to and go somewhere else. And none of them are good. And there are stories about famine and people staying in the land and God prospering them. Isaac, Abraham's son, becomes rich during a famine because his wells keep producing water and his crops keep growing and his land, God prospers him even in the middle of a famine. And the problem with moving somewhere else, if you're Jewish, is that it's just you alone. You're the only person who worships Jehovah, the God of Israel. You're the only person that has the law that's trying to keep it. You're supposed to be a light to everyone else, but of course what ends up happening is everyone else overwhelms you. You you assimilate, you enculturate. And that's exactly what happens to these guys because their sons marry girls from Moab. Now that is forbidden in the law. If you are Jewish, you can only marry a Jew. Now they don't have to be ethnically Jewish, They can convert. That's what Ruth does. Ruth converts. Your God will be my God. And that's why Boaz can marry her. She's not ethnically Hebrew, but she's Jewish. These girls aren't Jewish. I mean, they're going back to their gods, remember? That's what Naomi says to them. Um, They're doing something that is forbidden in the scriptures. You cannot marry someone who does not worship your God according to the law. And so it looks like Naomi doesn't have much of a relationship with God. They're certainly not keeping the law. It looks like they're kind of just becoming Moabites and living there. They went away for a famine. It's been 10 years. They've never come back. Um, And then we find out a little later as we go down the story that perhaps Naomi didn't have a good relationship with God, but now she has definitely got a bad one because she blames God for the death of her husband and the death of her sons. 
Like she is very clear whose fault this is. All, she, she curses God effectively. The Lord's hand is against me. The Almighty did these things to me. He oppressed me. He opposed me. He brought misfortune on me. Like she is very clear that all the bad things that have happened to her, they are God's fault. She says, I went away full, right? Not God filled me or God sent me away. I went away full, me, I was full. The Almighty brought me back empty. I filled myself and then I went away and what did God do? He took everything. I mean, she curses God my life is full of emptiness and bitterness, she says to the women in town. She's saying this out loud. She's not just thinking this in her heart. She says it to her daughters-in-law. She says it to the townspeople. God is a jerk. God can't be trusted. All God does is take from you. All he gives you in return is bitterness. She's cursing the Lord openly to people. What does God do to her? She is saying God is a jerk. He's horrible. He's terrible. Look what, a, what an evil God this is. What, how does God respond? What does God do to her? Does he pay her back? She has done harm to him publicly. Does he pay her back with harm? No. No, he pays her back with kindness. He makes sure she is taken care of. Look at all the things that just happen in this story. I mean, the fact that Ruth comes with her, leaves her family, leaves her home, leaves her country, leaves her native tongue, everything, and goes somewhere else, that's phenomenal. But then Ruth goes out to glean, and she happens to show up in Boaz's field. Again, you read Judges, no one in Judges is keeping the law. But here we've got a guy who's doing it. Here we've got a guy who's told his workers they're doing it so that when she shows up, they know to let her. They don't chase her away. She just happens to end up in a field. Something happens to wake the man up. She, she uncovers his feet and he happens to wake up in the middle of the night. There's another part. We didn't do it. We'll talk about it next week when we talk about Boaz. But Boaz happens to show up that day in the field that Ruth is at and knows she doesn't work for him. All these things in the story just happen. None of them are attributed to God. Like God isn't in the foreground of the story. He's in the background. Things are just happening. Naomi curses God. And yet she's provided for. Her daughter-in-law comes with her. Her daughter-in-law when one day finds a place where she can work the whole time. And we're, wow, 25 pounds of grain. They have good clothes and perfume. Those are luxury items for them. They are making enough money. They're not just subsisting. They're, they're becoming wealthy off of what she's taking out of all of Boaz's fields. Again, we'll look more at that next week. God is providing for Naomi, even though she called him a total jerk said she wanted nothing to do with him. All he gives you is emptiness and bitterness. And God keeps making sure that she gets what she needs until you get to the end of the story. Look at what happens at the end in verse chapter four, verse 16 and 17. Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. This is Obed, Ruth's son. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. 
Look back at chapter one, at what Naomi said to her daughters-in-law in in chapter one, verse 11. Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who would become your husbands? Naomi, part of Naomi's bitterness is, I'm too old to ever have any more children. Like there's no hope. It's done. She doesn't have a husband and she doesn't have sons. That means she's completely unprotected in this culture. And she says, and I'm never going to have any more sons. So why would you come with me? My life is bad and it's just going to get worse. I will never have any more children. And how does this story end? Naomi has a son. And we know it's God. We're told that in verse 13. The Lord enabled Ruth to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. Naomi said to God, you're a jerk. I don't want anything to do with you. All you give is emptiness and bitterness. And over the months, God filled her and filled her and filled her and filled her. Until, I mean, we're probably a year or so later. Until what she said was impossible, was hopeless, what could never happen. God did it. Naomi has another son. What she said could never happen, happened. Now, it didn't happen in the way anyone expect, as God so often does. He brings things around in ways that no one could conceive of. Oh, but he brings it around. This boy who's born, Obed, he points towards Christ. I mean, there's some obvious similarities. He's born in Bethlehem, right? He's born of a woman that the Lord enabled her to conceive. His human parents, you know, are this much older man and this much younger woman. These really strange circumstances that brought everyone together there in Bethlehem. But also look at what they say about him in verse 14. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. A guardian redeemer is someone, that's what Boaz was. It's someone who is supposed to watch over you and take care of you and if necessary, redeem you. Now in their world, redemption has to do with property. It's making sure that you always have property because property is wealth and it's life. You need, to, you need food to eat. You, could, you were not supposed to take advantage of someone, buy their property and keep it. You were supposed to redeem it, which meant you paid for it You took it, you invested in it, but then you gave it back to the next generation. That's why the guy is supposed to marry Ruth so that when his son inherits the land, it goes back into Elimelech's family. It doesn't stay with his. That's why he wouldn't do it. It was financially, he was gonna lose a lot of money on that deal. And they say to Naomi, Obed will be a guardian redeemer. He will take care of you. He will make sure you have land. He will make sure you have food that you can eat. And of course, that's exactly what we're celebrating in Christmas. Jesus is our guardian redeemer. He watches out for us. He takes care of us and he redeems us. Only he doesn't do it the way they did it. They redeemed in the sense of making sure you had land so you could eat, so you could live out this life. That's what they say to Naomi. You will, he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. A redeemer in this world is supposed to make sure you get to old age. That you have food to eat. You have shelter. They're supposed to take care of you. That's what Obed will do. 
But that's what Jesus does for us. Only he doesn't redeem us to make sure that we live in this life. He redeems us to make sure we live in this life and on. Not just that we have food now, but that we are provided for for eternity. Jesus is our guardian redeemer. Born of the Lord, enabling a young woman to conceive. In Mary's case, Joseph wasn't even involved. Jesus does that for us. So let me ask you, as we start the Christmas season, as we're, we're trying to prepare ourselves, we're trying to get ready so that when we celebrate on Christmas, when we all come together on Christmas Eve, that our hearts are in the right place, that, that our spirits are ready, that, that, that we, we have thought and prayed and we are ready to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. So let me ask you, where are you in Naomi's story? Her story has an arc, right? It starts with seeming indifference. It moves to anger and bitterness with the Lord. And it ends in hope and joy. It ends in praise of God. That's what the women say to Naomi. Praise the Lord. Look what he's done for you. Naomi has this arc going from indifference to hopelessness to hope. Where do you stand in that? Where are you in that, that curve? You know, are you back here at the indifference to God? Like you just, it's just not that big a deal. You just don't care. Which, thank you for coming. I'm glad you're here. But if that's true for you, if you're just like, yeah, okay, whatever. I, I don't think it's a big deal. Then can I encourage you to look at Jesus this Christmas as your guardian redeemer? That he wants to redeem your life, not just for this life, but for eternity. He doesn't just want to make sure that you have what you need now until you die. He wants to make sure you have what you need forever. He wants to do that. That's why he was born. That's why Obed was born. That's why Jesus was born. He wants to do that. But he won't do that without your permission. He's not going to do that unless you agree. Can I encourage you this Christmas to look at Jesus He wants to be your guardian redeemer. All you have to do is say yes. And then he will provide for you, not just in this life, but on for eternity. If you're indifferent, let me encourage you to look at Jesus as a guardian redeemer. If you're up here in the bitterness, you know, you're angry with God. You think he's a jerk. You don't want anything to do with him. You're done. Let me encourage you the same thing. To look at Jesus as your guardian redeemer. Because That's what the scriptures say over and over again, he is. They say over and over again, God brings good out of everything. God is always at work. Jesus says that once. Says, I'm always working because my father is always working. He never sleeps, he never rests, he never stops. He is always at work for good. Scripture says the Lord is at work for good in your life. If you can't see that, if all you can see is the bitterness, and don't get me wrong, she lost her husbands and her, her husband and her sons. That's horrific. Like we don't pretend like the world is, is all rose colored. It's not. The world is fallen and it's horrible. It is full of sin and death. That's why we need to be redeemed. If this were a great place, we wouldn't need a redeemer. It's not. What happens to her is horrible. But there's all these little things going on in the story. Stuff that just happens. If you're angry and bitter at God, then challenge him. Ask Jesus. Jesus claims to be your guardian redeemer. Ask him to show it to you. Show me. What are you doing? Where are you at work for good? What are things that have happened that I've overlooked? Yeah, Ruth goes out. 
in the time of the judges when no one's obeying God and she randomly ends up in the one field of the one guy who's actually doing this. That didn't just happen. Ask the Lord. Challenge Jesus. If he's your guardian redeemer, challenge him to show you where he is at work for good. What are the things you have missed? What are the things happening in the story that was him? But you didn't see him. You just read across it because he wasn't in the foreground. He was in the background. And if you're over here, and I hope you are, I hope you're in the hope category. I hope like Naomi ends up at the end, you have seen God do the impossible. You know he is at work for good. As you prepare yourself for Christmas, let me encourage you to do exactly what the women tell Naomi to do. Praise the Lord. Because that's how we're going to end our service. We're going to praise again. After I pray and we take communion, we're going to praise. We're going to sing a couple more songs. If you are where Naomi ends up, you know that God has been good to you. You know he's been at work. You can see it. People are telling you about it. Like the women tell Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. If you know God has been good to you, then sing praise Tell him, just just like what we sang at the very beginning. We sing, we adore you. Thank you. You don't have to do these things. You don't have to be always at work for good. You don't have to take everything that this evil world dishes out and somehow bring good out of it. But you do. If you're here at the end, then let me encourage you as we sing, wow, sing. Don't worry about what anybody around you can hear or sounds like. Sing. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you. I mean, uh, Obed is one of your ancestors. He's one of your great, 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 some odd number of great grandfathers back there. Um, because, Because you were kind to Naomi. Because you took care of her. Because you provided for her. Thank you. Thank you that you provide for us. I pray for anybody here who is indifferent that they will look to you, Jesus, as their guardian and their redeemer. That that they will say yes to you and you will make them yours. I pray for anybody who's bitter and angry towards you that you will speak to us. You'll show us. You'll tell us. Where have you been at work? What have we missed in the story? What were the things that were you doing good? But, but we didn't see it. I went away full and you brought me back empty. But if I was full, it was because of your good gifts to me. Jesus, show us. Show us how you are our guardian redeemer. And for all of us who, who are hope-filled and know that you are good, we have seen you at work. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that we see those things. It's only by your spirit that we even understand. Thank you for your kindness and your goodness. Thank you that you do what is not possible. That when, like Naomi, we say, I will never have another son, that the story ends that Naomi's had a son. You are the God who brings good out of everything, who can do anything. As you yourself will say, yeah, even the impossible things for man, they're possible for God. There's nothing too difficult for you. Thank you. We will praise you joyfully, Jesus, that you are our guardian redeemer. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.